What up? Episode 44 of the Struggle Play Podcast starts right now. I'm your one and only host, Doug. We were mad last Bring week. Out the, out the now let's have some peace. Sweet King Martin. Sweet Queen Coretta. Sweet Brother Malcolm. Sweet Queen Betty. Sweet Mother Mary. Sweet Father Joseph. Sweet Jesus. Made it in America, sweet baby Jesus. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Let's start things off smooth for just a minute. You know, let's calm down. It's been a, it's been a crazy two weeks. It really has. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. We made it in America. Now, don't get it twisted. We're still angry. That is never the case anymore. We are going to try today. We are a physical representation of our support for George Floyd. And as these memorials keep going on, we're sad, but we're hopeful. You changed the world, George. That changed the world. That changed the world. We think we're just grieving George Floyd, but we've been grieving our own lives, the lives of our lost ancestors for the last 400 years. So I get it. You have every right to feel how you feel, but let's not get stuck in it. Let's not get stuck in the sadness. Let's not lose this man's memory in all the chaos. This ain't no fashion show, motherfucker. We live in Martin. Sweet Queen Coretta. Sweet Brother Malcolm. Joseph, sweet Jesus, we made it in America, sweet baby Jesus, oh sweet baby Jesus. Feel how you feel, but I challenge you to not get stuck, because I'm here to celebrate, I'm here to start this Monday off just Right, so I dare you, I challenge you to find a way to smile, to find a way to put a smile on your face, because I am right now. Matter of fact, let's change the music, let's change the vibe, let's let's start this Monday on a good note, alright? I put the new 4Gs on the G, I trap into the bloody bottoms is underneath, yeah. cause all my niggas got it out the street, okay. I keep a hundred racks inside my jeans, yeah. Cause I'm balling. I was waking up getting racks in the morning. I was broke, now I'm rich. These niggas salty. All this designer on my body got me drip, drip. Uh, that's what I'm liking. That's what I'm liking. If I got up on a lean, I'm a sip, sip. I run the racks up with my queen, like London and Nip. But I got rich on all these niggas, I didn't forget back. I had to go through the struggle, I didn't forget that. I hopped inside of the Maybach and now I can sit back. These bitches know me now, cause I got them big racks. Cause I'm getting money now. So once again, welcome to episode 44 of the Struggle Play Podcast. I'm your one and only host, Doug. Thank you so much. Remember, you can go ahead and follow me on social medias, Twitter and Instagram at NorthSideDoug. Playlist is out right now. Was slipping last week on episode 43's play- playlist, but it's out right now. It's been a long week uh, for me. For those who don't know, I work in news. Um, I'm a producer for the local Fox station here. Not the Fox National News with all those, um, you know, people, <laughs> but like locally and stuff, um, you know, local news and national news are very different, very, very different. Like when I was in Las Vegas, the Fox News station 
over there is like it had all the black viewers. You feel me? Like, and that's just because they had a more diverse um team, you know, anchors and reporters and whatnot. And that, like that was facts. Like we get the demographics every day. We get the ratings and we see who's watching what and how many people are watching. And they always had the black folks there. And um, not so much for here in Denver, per se. You know, like Denver has the one main station out here that everybody gravitates gravitates to, whether if it's black or white, Hispanic. And that's just because they've had the same people there for so many years. But I was definitely fucked up at work today because I think I said it before last week how I felt like I was kind of on the opposite side of everything. You know, like I'm literally sitting here watching the news, the media report on black deaths. And me personally, what my position does, I'm the producer. So long story short, whenever somebody says, I can't believe the news put this in and I can't believe the news put that in, that's what I do. All right. I write the stories. I get the stories, choose the videos, who's going to read what, where they're going to read it, how big I'm going to make it, graphics, you know, with the bullet point graphics, the videos, you know, all of that stuff. That's me. And I'm the only black one. Uh, not the only black one. There's probably about I'm the only black one on my shift. No, it's two of us. It's two two black folks on the shift on my shift. And then there's two more other black folks on the other shift because I work overnights and then they have the regular shift, the nine to fivers. And so typically I want to say there's about four of us, maybe. So it's very discouraging for me personally to report about black people dying. So in all these protests, so you can imagine how hard it's been for me because I have to make sure that I tell the truth and that I make sure that it's fair and balanced and that we don't give our editorial opinions on everything. And I've definitely been slacking on that because I've been so caught up in this whirlwind of emotions on trying to not only just handle the black people getting killed every day, but being swamped in it and covered in it day after day after day after day. And it's very taxing. And um, yeah, seeing all the protests and the looters and trying to make sure that I'm making this a fair and balanced story by presenting both sides of the story. So I let the viewers decide exactly what it is and what's the truth to you, you know, we can only present the straight, solid facts, and that's not the case all the time. So it's a very thin line, but I'm going to make sure that for now on that I won't get stuck in my emotions and that I will give the truth on and off the air. Because at the end of the day, we as a people, not just journalists, as a people have the right and deserve to tell the truth, whether if it's good or bad, whether if it hurts or feels great at the end of the day this is what we do and i'm gonna make sure i do that for you whether it's on this podcast on the news because it's crazy and not believe it denver is historically black <laughs> believe it or not like yeah y'all remember the um that one commencement speaker at morehouse um who paid off all the, the students college debt He's from right here in Denver. Black man, black man, good, strong black man. Like he's well connected in the community. And like the reason why Denver looks quote unquote white with all the parks and everything with the parks, the skateboards, the outdoors life. 
that was created by Denver by a black man who was the mayor of Denver for 12 years. So this so this city is rooted, is rooted in black history, in black culture and blackness like that man. He literally built the city from the ground up from about two about 98, 96, 98 up until about 2010 or whatever. Hold on. I'm going to give you the right facts. Yeah, so it's from 91 to 2003, to be specific. But, like, the whole reason why this city is the way it is is because of a black man. And even before that, like, Denver has had a history of black mayors and whatnot. So it's very interesting on how things are different because right now Denver has a black mayor who's been mayor, who's on his third term for about 12 years now. And it's just very interesting how still some things may never change and how sometimes we're pushed to the side. You know, we keep saying, let's organize, let's get together. And then sometimes we get scared because we like, well, we turn on our own people and we're scared of our own history a lot of the times. But the truth of the matter is, if you dig further back, they keep digging, digging further and further and back. Like I was reminded of this um. On Friday, when I was listening to the Brothers uh, Views from the Seven podcast on how basically Greek mythology is is stolen Egyptian culture. And it like hit me because sometimes we can get scared of our own past. We can get scared of our own failures, but sometimes we can get scared of our own success because we're afraid that we don't have the ability, the mental capacity to live up to it. And we display that fear by asking white people to acknowledge their own privilege and to be asking celebrities to stand up and speak up for each other when we can do that for our own selves. Stop looking around for help when you can be the leader that you've been looking for. I've never liked that with the whole um, asking white people to acknowledge their own priv privilege to help us along the cause. Yes, it's cool. Go ahead and help us. But at the end of the day, we have to help ourselves and each other first. Like, I think that the one thing that made me fall in love with Malcolm X was when he said this, when he was when he broke off from the nation and he was basically starting his own thing. And he was like, white people can't join. They can help, but they can't join because we have to get ourselves together. Long story short. That's the synopsis of it all. And the thought of us standing together is not only scary for the oppressors, but for ourselves. And we mask that fear by talking down to each other, disrespecting our own men, our black women who are the most disrespected culture, race, whatever you want to call it in history. You feel what I'm saying? So ask yourself this. Are you the leader that you're looking for? And if not, why? And if you know why, how can you become that person? Because I'm pretty sure that's what all of our great leaders have done. Now I'm getting past the anger. Now I'm getting past the hurt or I'm healing from it. Because if you get past um, certain things, you don't necessarily heal. All right. You really have to learn how to heal. So the way that I've been doing that is by educating myself, reinforming myself of all these things. Like when I was listening to that pod on Friday, shout out to you, Dante, Skinny, like all y'all niggas, man. Y'all brothers got it. 
But when I was listening to that, it made me think about, I, I was like, damn, I threw away like my good black history books that I learned, you know, in college. And I, you know how it goes. If you've been in college before, you know, you get those books and what do you do when, when the class is over with? You sell them so that you can, you know, get some money and go party, you know, at the end of the semester. But I remember my philosophy class, it had this, he, our teacher made us read this book called The Golden Age of the Moors. And it's basically talking about the history of the original black man. Like those guys right here, the Moors, you, oh man, they built Egypt. Long story short, I'm not going to get into a, like a full in-depth history lesson on it. But at the time I was reading, I was like, duh, I know that. Like, everybody knows that black man is the original man and everything. But looking back at it, I was like, hmm, maybe I should have kept that book, <laughs> you know, because I wanted to sell it at the end of the uh, school year, at the end of the semester, because I was broken. I remember my mom said the same. She did like the same thing when she read Asada Shakur's book. She was like, yo, she had a fucked up life. Niggas did her dirty. You know what I'm saying? But now as we get older and mature. We realize those things and how important it is now and how those teachings and how those readings, you know, like everything that I've learned in college, thank God that I went to HBCU, has really reinforced my pride, my self-awareness, my blackness, all of that. And sometimes people aren't there. Sometimes people are still stuck in it. You know, like I hear people saying they've had to cancel folks and unfollow people on their Twitter. I haven't really had to done that because all of my Facebook, Twitter and Instagram friends, friends are people who I went to college with, you know, HBCUs or they have a stronger sense of self-identity as a black person. You know what I'm saying? So I've never really had to do that at all. I've never had to. I, I I don't think I have. Like, I don't even really follow white people like that, you know, <laughs> just being real. So I, typic I typically try to surround myself with people who have that greater sense of self-awareness and whatnot. And it hasn't and they haven't disappointed me at all. Whether they went to college or at HBCU, you know what I'm saying? They have not disappointed me at all. And the ones who are lost are the ones who are enjoying their chains, are the ones who don't really realize that they have those quote-unquote chains on them at this very moment. So the song that I'm breaking down for this episode really highlights the importance of self-identity, financial literacy, and freedom. So ladies and gentlemen, it makes only sense. It makes only perfect sense since this is episode 44 that I would break down Jay-Z's song, The Story of OJ. Light nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga. Rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga. Still nigga. Still nigga. I like that second one. Light nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga, rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga, still nigga, still nigga. OJ like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay. House nigga, don't fuck with me, I'm a feel nigga, with Sean Cutlery, go play the quarters with a butler. Okay, 
Plain and simple, I chose this song because it fits the times. It fits everything that we are dealing with right now. Obviously, the story of OJ, we're talking about OJ Simpson, but this his main story comes from his case, his murder case, his murder trial with him killing his ex-wife, allegedly, quote unquote, the trial that he beat, the trial of the century. And that trial right there highlighted not only OJ, right, but it also highlighted the strain between the black community and the Los Angeles Police Department. And hello, we're seeing it right now play out in front of our eyes. It makes perfect sense to do this because last week I was talking about what's free, why black people truly aren't free, right? So this week I'm going to talk about how black people can be free. And it really comes from financial freedom, ownership, right? True, true, actual ownership, but it takes a certain mindset. And obviously, this song is produced by my favorite producer, No ID. And the idea, the birth of this song literally came from a conversation that Jay-Z was having with No ID, his engineer guru. And they were just talking about the good old days, you know, when they were younger, mainly Jay-Z. And it just happens like that. He starts recording all this stuff in his head. He starts writing it down, recollecting. Because remember, Jay-Z doesn't write his raps he memorizes it. he memorizes it all he doesn't write it down on pen or paper and he literally gave no id a playlist full of songs that he wanted him to use to create a song or different kinds of songs and out of this playlist we got nina simone's 1966 song called four women It's a conceptual song that reflects on the effects of slavery on black women. And throughout that song, she writes about the perspective of four different characters, a dark-skinned woman, a light-skinned woman, a tan woman, and a brown-skinned woman, right? And Jay-Z, he flips that and turns it into his own throughout the chorus. Light nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga, rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga, still nigga. Now we're getting into the racial hierarchy in the black community through our skin tones. But Jay-Z denounces all of that. He denies it all by saying we're still niggas. It's all bullshit because we're still niggas, right? In the eyes of the police, in the eyes of the white man, we're still niggas. And now we're getting into the best part of the song. I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay. House nigga, don't fuck with me. I'm a feel nigga. So obviously that line literally comes from Cuba Gooden Jr. saying that in the TV show when he played OJ Simpson in uh the Made in America special. OJ Made in America. And but it's really referring to a quote that an ESPN reporter said when he was interviewing OJ Simpson. During that interview, he was saying that OJ overheard a white woman at the next table saying, look, there's OJ sitting with all those niggers. And the reporter was saying, you know, to OJ, man, I'm sorry, that must have been terrible for you. 
And OJ was like, no, it was great. Don't you understand? She knew that I wasn't black. She saw me as OJ, right? Now, the idea literally comes from, you know, not always being constantly reviewed as a nigga, not constantly being viewed as black because that's all people see, right? But that right there is such denial of the definition of self-hate, the definition of not really knowing who you are, being ashamed, like so many negative connotations that literally refers to you not knowing yourself as a man and as a black man in America, right? Like, yes, in the eyes of the Lord, we're all God's children. But in society, the minute you have the ounce of blackness in you, you will always be referred to nigga. It doesn't matter how successful you are in your all white job when you're the only black person there. It doesn't matter even if you marry a white man or a white woman. It, that shit still doesn't matter because at the end of the day, when you are pulled over by the police, you are still a nigga. And even if you have you a mixed child, that child will be referred to as a nigga, especially if the black parent stands with that child as well. Like you like there's some shit that you just cannot avoid because this is America. This is society. And love whoever the hell you want to love. Love white, love yellow, love Mexican. I don't I don't care. All right. I'm just pointing out the facts. All right. <laughs> this is not an opinion. It is a solid fact. But I know as a single black man in this world, I'm not looking for a white woman. I'm not looking for a Mexican woman. I'm looking for a black woman because I don't feel like explaining my black experience to a woman who is not black. And I feel like black women are just incredibly underrated, overlooked. And I feel like being in their presence alone is just like a huge energy boost. And they're magical, right? They're legitimately the wave. Everybody wants them, no matter how much they're disrespected. But going back to the song, after he says the hook, he goes back, he gives us the most memorable part of the song the reoccurring theme the one that sticks to your ribs but jay-z's like i'm not black i'm oj takes the pause and he gives him that like okay like okay nigga if you say so now in the first verse jay immediately like separates himself from the pack by calling out the quote-unquote house niggas right by saying that he's a field nigga, he's somebody who actually worked, who didn't get to enjoy the AC. Because remember, Jay-Z, he's a billionaire from the projects, right? And then he eventually moves on to the teaching aspect, the educational portion of this song, the actual main theme of this song, which is financial freedom. And he does that by telling us some of the mistakes that he's made and how he's learned from those mistakes. But first, he's gotta let you know, he ain't no house nigga. 
house nigga don't fuck with me i'm a feel nigga with sean cutlery go play the quarters with a butler's be i'ma play the corners with a hustler's be i told him please don't die over the neighborhood that your mama rentin take your drug money and buy the neighborhood that's how you rinse it I bought every V12 engine Wish I could take it back to the beginning I could've bought a place in Dumbo before it was Dumbo For like two million That same building today is worth 25 million Guess how I'm feeling Dumbo I love that line where he's literally telling you Please don't die over the neighborhood that your mama rented Like don't die over some shit that you or your family don't even own because we're trying to get to generational wealth all right and he's saying take your drug money and buy the neighborhood that's how you rinse it now he's mainly not just talking about drug money right he's just using that as an example okay and he does that to relate to us because that's the environment that he grew up and came up under in but he's basically saying no matter how you make your money give it back to your own community because then that's how we start training our own people to really, really not only own, but to do things for ourselves and really learn the power and importance of taking care of ourselves. Because he goes on by saying, I bought every V12 engine. Wish I could take it back to the beginning. I could have bought a place in Dumbo before it was Dumbo. Now, Dumbo's a neighborhood in Brooklyn. And for those who don't know, Brooklyn is literally the shining light, the shining example of gentrification. Like, everything is, like, super expensive in Brooklyn at a time where it wasn't. Okay, because he says, I could have bought a house in this neighborhood for, like, $2 million. But that same building today is worth $25 million. He's like, guess how I'm feeling? Dumbo. I feel like Dumbo because I didn't buy a crib in Dumbo and invest it. Come on, man. Like, I, I remember I heard somebody say in an interview how he was literally sick to his stomach when he sold his house, his brownstone in Brooklyn, like right before Brooklyn got popping. He was trying to tell his wife, like, yo, this place is going to be worth a lot of money man you know and she was like no we need we can't afford it he's like yo it'll be worth it and then eventually and then eventually literally like a year later the property value just started going up in brooklyn right like my favorite uh line my favorite part in that tv show the last og is when he tracy morgan gets the literally the first episode when he gets back to brooklyn after getting out of jail on the same block that he used to do dirt in, all of a sudden he's seeing all these white people taking selfies and going to the smoothies. And he's like, yo, what the fuck happened to Brooklyn? Like, that's the best part of this all. And I love it because eventually he goes into the courts by reminding us of this bullshit level hierarchy of skin tones, which is just really... Just self-hate by saying, like, nigga, dark, nigga, foe, nigga, real, nigga, rich, nigga, poor, nigga, house, nigga, feel, nigga, still, nigga. And instead of just talking about us, he shows us or he gives us a, an example, a lesson on how to do better. 
through this interlude right before he gets into the second verse. You want to know what's more important than throwing away money at a strip club? Credit. You ever wonder why Jewish people own all the property in America? That's how they did it. Financial freedom, my only hope. Fuck living rich and dying broke. I bought some artwork for one million. Two years later, that shit worth two million. Two years later, that shit worth eight million. I can't wait to get this shit to my children. Y'all think it's bougie, I'm like, it's fine, but I'm trying to give you a million dollars worth of game for 999. I turn a two to a four, four to an eight. I turn my life into a nice first week release date. Mm. Y'all here still taking advances, huh? Me and my niggas taking real chances, uh? Y'all on the gram holding money. God damn it, ho. Look at him educating us and yet still make, finding a way to make me feel bad about myself and my life, but encouraged all at the same time. Man. How he literally starts that verse off by saying, you want to know what's, what's more important than throwing away money at a strip club? Credit. You ever wonder why Jewish people own all their property in America? This how they did it. Financial freedom, my only hope. Fuck living rich and dying broke. Oh, my God. Like, yo, my mans, what are we, what are we talking about here? I bought some artwork for one million Two years later, that shirt, that shit worth two million. Three years later, that shit worth eight million. I can't wait to give this shit to my children. Like this is generational wealth right here, right? This is what we talk about investing, like buying something worth value and holding on to it so it can grow and build and invest and just sit there instead of just like getting rich quick, getting all this fast money, right? Like, have something that you can give to your children. Because he's talking about how much money this painting is worth. It goes from two to eight million. I and he says, I can't wait to give this to my children. Because he knows that he knows that it's going to even get higher and be worth ten times more. Twenty years later down the road. And then the best part of the line. Of this verse where he says, y'all think I'm bougie. I'm like, it's fine. But I'm trying to give you a million dollars worth of game for $9.99. Holy shit. Holy fuck. He's saying, I am literally giving you all the information in the palm of your hands. Million dollars worth of game. Because Snoop Dogg once said, the game is to be sold, not to be told. And I'm giving it to you for $9.99. I'm giving it to you on title. All you got to do is just pay $10 a month. And you can get this game. You can get all of it. You can get the discography. You see how Spotify and Apple, it took them forever to get all of Jay-Z's discography? Because people know. Because he knows damn well what his worth is. He knows damn well what his value is. And, oh, God, before I get to the second half of this verse or the last two bars of the verse he says y'all out here taking advances huh and me and my niggas taking real chances he's basically saying it's not necessarily how much you make but it's how much you negotiate right because a lot of artists they a lot of artists um book book writers even writers people will take those advances that 
that advance money, that first money that you make, the bonuses before you even actually make your real salary and you blow it all away. You don't even know how to invest. You don't even know how to save because we haven't been taught how to invest and how to save because of the opportunities that were placed in front of us. Right. So once we blow all that money away and we don't know what the fuck happened, then we're mad. Even even like the smallest dollar that we make as a kid from our first job, we blow it away fast. And that shit continues on and on into adulthood. And we pass that same knowledge down to our children unknowingly. Right? Unknowingly. And then all of a sudden they pick up those habits and it keeps going on and on and on and on again. And that, my friends, is why black people truly aren't free because we don't. We're not financially literate and we haven't been taught how to do that. And Hove is just basically saying, you want to know why the white folks are making it, a.k.a. the Jews? You want to know why they got all this money? Here, let me show you. They invest. Okay. They save. Okay. Literally, the, the, the general saying in investment in the stocking is buy low, sell high. Buy this painting that's worth $1 million right now, right? And then eventually let it keep building and building and building and building. And once it gets to the cap, once it once that million dollar painting is worth 25 mil, then sell it. Or 50 or 100 mil. You feel what I'm saying? So he's breaking it down to us, right? Just off of that painting. It doesn't have to be that painting. It could be your own crib. It can be, you know, your own building that you own. Instead of just constantly renting over it and then dying over it because somebody disrespected your own fucking hood, your own projects that you don't even fucking own at the end of the day. Come on, dog. And then the and then the best part of this whole line, this whole song is the last two bars in this verse because it's only two verses you're on the gram holding money to your ear there's a disconnect we don't call that money over here yeah oh man oh he did it again he did it again literally literally y'all on the gram holding money to your ear there's a disconnect we don't call that money over here Come on, man. Come on. What, what, what the fuck are we talking about? He's saying there's a disconnect. So there's the play on words. You got the phone money, right? But there's a disconnect because that money is gone instantly. And I love that breakdown part of the song that you hear like about twice during the song when he like goes in. That's from like a sample um, right. That's the that's another part of the sample that Jay-Z used in his playlist and gave it to no ID. The sample is called The Cool is Back by the Funk Inc. And Hove g- geniusly uses that sample, that breakdown part, the eye-grabbing part of the song, right? The thing that makes it stand out and different by spitting knowledge. you freedom, my only hope. Fuck living rich and dying broke. 
So let's put this into perspective in what this song is talking about. We're talking about financial freedom. We're talking about generational wealth and ultimately how black people don't have it. Imagine if we're playing Monopoly, right? In America's the Monopoly board. And black people don't have any of the pieces, none of the money and none of the pieces to move around. So we're constantly stuck and we're frustrated because we can't move forward because we don't know how to even use those pieces, even if we have them. Right. So because we're frustrated and being taken advantage of and like so many different ways on hiding those opportunities from us, like take this, for example, a lot of these top schools they genuinely top colleges, excuse me, top colleges and universities. They genuinely make their money off of their sports programs. Right. Let's just be honest. Let's be real. And who what do these athletes look like that are in charge of these sports programs? Black basketball, football. You feel what I'm saying? You're on the gram holding money to your ear. There's a disconnect. You don't call like that, that money over here. Yeah. Like, I went to Grammar State University. A school well known for football. And it was like that where you had all the top black players, all the top players in the country so happened to be black. Right. That's just the truth, because those top white universities weren't allowing black players in their universities, in their schools. So once they found out that. You know, I think Bear Bryant, old football coach for uh, Alabama, said, if you want to win, play black. You know what I'm saying? And once they found out that top players in the country are also black, right, the best, then they started moving them in. And the thing about it is once those universities took those HBCU's top players it took the players, but it didn't invite them into conferences, right? Isn't that how it typically goes in these colleges where they get the best schools and put them in these best in the be, in the better conferences so that they can compete and grab more money, right? Because you play these tournament games, you play these bowl games, and the schools get more money out of it. So they took our players, but they didn't invite us in their own conferences. You feel what I'm saying? didn't allow us to truly get the chance to grow. Financial freedom, financial literacy. That's what I'm talking about right here. And Hove is literally giving us the blueprint, but he knows that there is power in the dollar, but there's more power when you know how to spend that dollar because it's not about what you make. It's about how much you save, right? It's not about how much you earn in your job, but it's how you negotiate in your contract. The smarts, it's not just taking the first deal, not taking the first offer. I had to learn that. It took me a long time. And it's also when you make that money, you give it back, right? And sometimes we can be the slave to the quick money. I know me personally, I have. I know that I have not made true money off of my passion, right? Off of my true purpose in life. 
and it's not being a TV journalist. You feel me? It's about my true passion is being on the airways, talking to people like you about music, right? And because I decided to chase that money first, I ended up, it just ends up being a long road of disappointment for me. Now, granted, I have been given the opportunities that, that not a lot of people would have where I've traveled across the country working, never being without a job, right? Great experiences that I will never trade for anything in the world. But it's not my true passion. It's not. It's not at all. So instead of going after something just for the money, and yes, we all need a roof over our head, we all need to eat, but once you start making money off of something that you truly love and are passionate about, then, my friends, then you'll really start experiencing freedom in your own personal success. And, of course, the money will follow. Took me a long time to understand that, but now I get it. Now I get it. Because there have been times where I've looked at my coworkers who are just genuinely excited about their job, and I am mad at them, but more jealous, more envious, because they actually love this shit, and I don't. But time will come, change is coming, and I have a plan in, in the motion. That's all I'm going to say. So now we have to get past being mad. We have to start literally, literally coming up with an actual plan okay like it's cool that we're seeing now that a lot of these schools or these cities are defunding the police by removing them out of the public schools you know these high schools all right because i didn't have normal security guards in my high school we had chicago police officers with their guns and their badges inside the school system just to show a force all right, I've seen somebody get tased outside in the rain in high school just so police could break up a fight. You feel what I'm saying? And, and it's like, because we don't have this money in our communities and these opportunities, we're treated like animals. Which, so then what do we do? We act like ones, right? Because of the opportunities that have been presented in front of our own eyes. But we but we all can change. We have the right to change for the better of ourselves. Don't deny yourself. That's what OJ was doing. That's what Hove was saying throughout this entire song. Don't deny your identity and your culture and don't ever be ashamed of it. Ever. All right, that's the end of the breakdown, man. I can go on and on and on. Okay, so let's get into the rotation. You know, and matter of fact, we've been down, right? So let's pick it up. Like, I understand that these are serious and stressful times, but they're always going to be serious and stressful for as long as you your skin is black. Let's just be honest. But we can also acknowledge that while having some fun, while nodding our heads. So let's get into the rotation, man. Let's play something off that brand new Run the Jewels album. Hmm, let's do 
Yeah, song number one off the rotation is Run the Jewels with Yankee and the Brave, part four. This week on Yankee and the Brave. Back at it like a crack addict, Mr. Black Magic, crack a bitch back. Chiropractic, craftmatic, big daddy smoking big, tally in a black, alley in a black. Granddaddy rolling down, old natty how, nappy maddy as a black. Granddaddy all black, no cabin fat black, both captain stay floating, no flapping wave runner. I'm a gunner, I'm a head your block. Yankee and the Brave. Nah, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. I'm sorry, when it's cold, it's cold. Go Alright, last time I'm bringing it back. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know what? Now I'm in the mood again. Good, 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 good. Let's get back into some hove, huh? Let's get back into a song that is my favorite song off of the Watch the Throne album. Yeah, this album does not get the credit it deserves. It really doesn't. It really does not give the credit it deserves and it is aged well it has laid the blueprint for songs to this day just like that run the jewels album jay-z kanye west with murder to excellence song number two let's go uh, this is to the memory of dan roy henry too much enemy fire to catch a friend Straight from the same shade, nigga, we on the same team. Giving you respect, I expect the same thing. Uh, all black, everything, nigga, you know my fresh coat. Mild fighting for you, don't increase my stress, though. Niggas watching the throne, very happy to be you. Power to the people, when you see me, see you. And I'm from the murder capital, where they murder for capital. Heard about at least three killings this afternoon. Looking at the news like them, I was just with them after school. No shop class, but had the school got a tool. And I, I could die any day type attitude. Plus his little brother. Now let's dig further back. Back into the old playlist. Let's see. This is a song that instantly became my favorite song from this artist. Because it was produced by my favorite rapper slash producer at the time. And, um, yeah, man, just want to end off on a high note, um, not be sad. Next week, I'm really going to be focusing more on unknown songs from your favorite artist or artist that you've never heard from. We're going to get back into that for episode 45. So in the meantime, in between time, 
This is Rick Ross featuring Kanye West with Live Fast, Die Young. And I want to show you how you all look like beautiful stars tonight. feel that don't you all right peace and love my name is doug we out they say we can't live like this for the rest of our lives well we're gonna be living like this for the rest of tonight you know they're gonna be making this shit for the rest of our lives My top peeling back, tinted glass on my 57 Nigga with an attitude, me Young and radical, methods are mathematical Let my convertible marinate on the avenue Mommy, that's half a million, I'm living la vida rapido Die young, but fuck it, we flew first class Turned you to a rich bitch by your first glass Up in this bitch and we lit up like a screen Every time we hit the charts, nigga, shoot up like a fiend Stuntin' like we printin' money with machines Would you see me waving by Sharon Constantine? Like Mike, my spikes, they all white 24 karat gold, 80 carats worth of ice Ice insured, fuck life insurance I live for the moment and put a bullet on it Got the club rockin' like a fucking boat I'm the pirate on the ship, all you mates got to go The party over here, everybody over here You know the word, trouble fast, everybody know we here All the bottles over here, even spread it over there All the models over here, but they swallow everywhere Yeah, She came to party like it's 1999 If she died on my dick, she would live through my rhymes like this for the rest